Welcome to Hallel Fellowship, found on the internet at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. We hope you are encouraged by the following recorded Bible study to look deeper into every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and how they were lived out in the life of Yeshua HaMashiach, often called Jesus the Christ. I'm going to focus a little bit of attention on some of the concepts being discussed here with inside of our Torah portion because um, they're highlighted, of course, in Joshua as well as in, in, in Hebrews. Before we go to my spiel, any comments or questions regarding this Torah portion that you need answered? Because I'm going to focus most of my attention upon obviously the the, the spies, a large portion of this por- of, of this of this topic, and then a little bit of attention on uh, the 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 wine, the grain, that type of thing being discussed in chapter 15. So if your top if your questions or issues are not about those two topics, ask it now, else I won't get to it. Thanks. Yeah, I have my audience has moved around a bit so I can look at people. <laughs> All right. No questions? Good deal. It's easy then. All right. So let's go forward pretty quick. So um, I go back to my first page of notes. What's that? Right. So Shalach. So this is an interesting scenario uh, in that we have obviously Moses. And now this, this topic is recorded a couple different places in our Torah. Uh, obviously, in this, this point, it discusses that. Uh, God appears, God is sending the, sending, telling Moses, send the spies out to spy the land. Later on, Moses in Deuteronomy discusses, well, you guys wanted to spy the land out, so therefore, you know, you wanted to do it versus God wanted to do it. You know, I'm not going to quibble about the details regarding that. Some have their questions about whether or not God ordered it or not, yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of different uh, theologies based on that particular topic. Um, if you have issues about that, let me know. But in general, it is considered that the people themselves perceived or wanted such a spy out process. And then God acquiesced or said, okay, go ahead and do so. That's the general consensus of most Christian Jewish philosophers, uh, theologians on this topic. So you can, you can agree or disagree. It doesn't really matter. That's, that's typically what, uh, what, is, what is considered normal. The question that comes up, which is that the, the, these are these are by the standard list of questions everybody asks about this Torah portion. Okay, first of all, if since God knows everything, um, and now there are details we could argue and quibble about, but as a general, He knows everything. So in this instance, did He did God perceive the spies to send out a good report? Hence, said, go and send them out. Or is it a problem that the gods that the that shouldn't send the spies out at all? Maybe that would have been better. They just walk up by faith and say, "Hey, let's just go," which is perfectly fine to do. Um, some have argued or questioned, "Well, what about uh, uh, if 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 these if the spies were punished for answering these questions Moses asked of them? Uh, then are they not being at least being partially honest at least initially?" So all these questions people ask about these these this uh, this Torah portion. We'll cover a few basic ones about them. So first of all, the question of spying at the land, is it a problem? Don't answer the question, just think about it in your head. Is the problem when I, when I say, when, or when I say, God says, here's a blessing that I'm going to give to you, whatever it is, just fill in the blank. And then you come along and say, well, is that really true? Should I investigate? Should I inquire and find out details? Is this, is this, is this something I, I should, should I just trust God and just head forward and go for it or not? And I can't answer the question for you. 
that's a, you have to answer your own question for yourself. But it's a general question to ask. Because in this concept, this issue, we have these spies, they have these questions. And Moses gives them a list of questions to answer, by the way. He said, check out the land, see what kind of people they are, what kind of fortified cities they have, what kind of, uh, whether the land's fertile or not, whether it has trees. He wants to know details about the land itself. And so Moses says, here's questions to ask. So he, Moses asks, asks the questions, and their goal, job, is to answer them. E-R? Is he still answer? Yeah, thank you. And it goes to answer him. Now, is it a problem to answer the question? Well, no, of course not. Moses wouldn't ask if he was supposed to answer it. When the spies return, they have lots of different things. So before we go there, a few details about the spies' actual travels. We already know because Joshua, Caleb is the one who, inspi- who, who, who inspected Hebron territory. I don't know if he went with somebody with him. Tradition is Joshua with him. We don't really know that. But Caleb, we know Diggs, he actually says, hey, I'm the one who checked out Hebron. And Hebron is specifically listed as where the giants were hanging out. And Caleb did not refute saying, no, 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 there are no giants there. That would be lying. So Caleb answered the question. He, he agreed. Yes, there are giants there. He didn't dispute the fact that, that the, the buildings or the houses or sorry, cities were fortified. He didn't say they weren't fortified, but they were. He didn't say the people were, were, were strong or were weak. He didn't say they were weak. He, he didn't say they were weak. So it implies that he's agreeing. Yeah, they are strong. The answer, the questions he gave, the initial answers, mind you, were started out. They gave, they gave a correct, he's sort of loosely a correct report, um, which was accurate in verse 28 to 29. So they actually gave a correct report. So they answered correctly. So it was a, it was a correct report. They, answered, they, they did give that correct report. They gave the facts. This is what we found. This is what we saw. This is what is there. That's fine. That was the most asked. The question arises, we have this issue. I'm going to a big line here. <laughs> my, my, my tables. Um, is, it, is there um, uh, uh, observation? Observe. I think that's how you spell observe. Versus perceive. Is it C-E? P-E-R I- no, purse, C-I-E-V-E. Yeah, okay. So, I can observe something and I can... Did I misspell it? Yeah, I'm a terrible speller. <laughs> something I should learn. Perceive? No, that's fine. So, I can observe something and I can perceive something. They're not the same thing. Observe is fact. What, what are the details? What did I see? What did I not see? What is there? What is not there? Oops, my light's shutting on it. Perceive is what I interpret those facts to be. So my perception, my comprehension of them. So I'm actually interpreting them. Uh, T-E-R. Yeah, sorry. My, my, my audience can't spell well either. Today I say so interpret. So I can interpret things or I can factually list them. What Moses was asking for is he wanted the factual lists. And they gave that. And Caleb did not refute or dispute the facts given. Neither, of course, did Joshua. They interpreted the facts differently. So this is how we have our concept of issues of perception versus observation. So when we, as followers of Messiah, followers of God, we have a worldview 
we have a viewpoint that we perceive life, we observe and get information in, and we, we draw conclusions from that. And here is where our error lies, dominantly in these, 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 these spies that had this, this as, as, as Bible tells, a bad report. The facts were not in dispute. The interpretation, the, perce- the perception of those facts, those were the problem. That's where the error showed up. So even Moses, by the way, confirmed the facts listed. He even says later in Deuteronomy, yeah, these people are bigger than you. They are stronger than you. They do have fortified cities. And yet we're taking them out anyway. So the facts were not in dispute. It's the interpretation of them. That was what it, where our dispute lies. So they, they observed correctly. The false report is where they started giving facts or bad, bad interpretations, the devouring of land. So devour, I say D-E-V, I'm going to abbreviate, D-E-V, because I can't spell it devour. So devour is the land, the, 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 the grasshopper perception. So I'm going to grass, these are interpretive things, these are, which you are saying, hey, I perceive life of this, give me my light shining on there. Thank you. You turn the light off for me, it'd be helpful. So you, sh- you keep shines on that reflective. Thank you. So I can perceive things and come to conclusions based on my, on my perceptions. And this is where we, myself included, as Christians, get screwed up. Messiah believing, uh, uh, Torah observing people, this is where it screws us up. This where it screws almost everybody up. It's because I am perceiving things based on my viewpoint. Oops. Oops. But we don't do that. We can't do that. So I have a perception problem. It's not that I have a fact problem. I have a viewpoint problem. So in the case of viewpoint, I'm going to erase up here because I'm going to write up here a little quick. In the case of the viewpoint error, what is the viewpoint error of the spies? Is their viewpoint looking through God's eyes or looking through their eyes? It's their eyes, right? And what do they perceive themselves of? They, the people there of Israel are men. And only that, they perceive themselves as short men compared to big men. Okay, So they perceive their ability is within their own strength, within my own capacity, within my own ability to do something. This is a perception problem. It's not a fact problem because this may be totally dead true. Remember, we have the story of David and Goliath. There was no dispute that Goliath was taller than David. Of course, he was bigger. He was well-skilled, lots of big good fighting tools he had with him. Really big guy, obviously. He had his own shield bearer and such. And so the, the facts weren't in dispute. The issue of David and Goliath was perception. What did Goliath perceive when he saw David? Did he see the facts differently? No, he saw David as a, as a young boy. What did he perceive, though? He thought, this is a joke. You came with this sticks as a stick like, as like a dog. The rocks, you try to hurt me and, and hurt me as you do with animals. It's ridiculous. So Goliath's perception was, David's a child. This is, this is harmless. This is a joke. Shield bearer, step aside. I'm just going to knock this kid, this kid out and move on. What was David's perception when he dealt with Goliath? Did he perceive that Goliath was too big for him? No. Did he see he was too big for him? Yes, he saw it. But did he perceive that? No, he did not. He perceived that, no, I have God on my side. See, there's men. So Goliath had the problem of the man, oops, M-A-N, man's viewpoint 
And David had God's viewpoint. And with God's viewpoint, how big is Goliath? Well, I can't draw God on this sheet, so I don't know. So we can't have a comparison. The point is, he's too big. So in God's viewpoint, Goliath is no bigger than David. He's, he's really small. He's no, no significant of a person. So when we have facts and we look at facts and perceive them in man's viewpoint, we run across a problem that Goliath ran across. We had the wrong interpretation of these facts. What was that? Yeah, they're the wrong glasses on, the wrong, 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 the wrong color glasses on. If I'm looking at it through God's perspective, what do I have then? Well, I still have the same facts. I'm just perceiving them and interpreting them differently. Hence, why God points out Caleb is different. So he, he explicitly states. So when God points out that we have these facts, he says, Caleb, Caleb, now, I, I, I know the Bible explicitly says Caleb, but it's implied Josh was included because Joshua gets a blessing later on too, but that's kind of a, 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 a fuzzy area of fact. We don't really know what Joshua, where he was in this, in, 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 at this moment in time because it doesn't describe what Joshua was saying, just what Caleb said. Joshua did defend most, of course, but this is what Caleb said. So in Caleb, he had the same facts, but Caleb's perception was not the same as the spies. His perception was using God's perception, and God said he has a different spirit in him. Caleb's spirit was different. Now we understand, okay, when it comes to this, the, the observation of fact and information, we take fact and information in. It is our spirit, our connection, our understanding of God versus man decides what the outcome of that can be. Not that it, as it will be. God controls what it is, but what it can be be controlled, can be observed, and then acted on. So when you deal with, 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 with fact versus observation versus perception, it's very difficult for human beings like myself to say, shove my past historical belief system aside, you know, toss those glasses out, but God's on. I'm a human being. It's hard. I'm sure it's hard for everybody, but that's where our weaknesses lie. So God's perception versus man's perception are very very, very different, even the same facts. We have this problem in modern day politics, modern day of right and wrong concepts. All these details are all the same. The facts don't change our perception and our interpretation of them, because perception is, is interpretation, it's viewpoint. Um, that's what messes us all up. Hence, we have different party belief systems, conservatives and, and, and liberals and all the different... The facts don't change. It's the perception, the perceived interpretation of those facts, what screws us all up. It gets different, different answers, different groups, different cliques, different, different camps. That makes sense so far. Any questions? Though, so I didn't lose anybody, did I? Hopefully not. Good. Okay, let's move on a little bit further. The people themselves, after the spies gave their their perceived report, they got the facts right. That wasn't a problem. People themselves. They received the same information that all the spies gave. Caleb gave a report. I'll give a report that what they what they got. That here's the fruit. All the good stuff. The people themselves were the spies. Now the spies have a problem. Actually, it's the problem. The, the people have a problem. I have two spies on this side, Caleb and Joshua. I got ten on this side who give the same facts but different interpretations. So these two. Caleb, we know explicitly Joshua's implicit, said, it's easy. 
I'm I'm putting this words. It's not easy. It's quite hard. But the point is, is that they could be done. It's easy with God. And the spies report. The spies was uh, too hard. Now, in their case, too hard, and they didn't specify with without God. It was too hard, uh, and and let's return to Egypt. So, the people themselves. This is this mob of people hanging out here. All right, a mob. I call them a mob on purpose because they were about to stone people. <laughs> so it's a mob going on, and the mob has the option of listening to this ten versus two. And we we could crunch numbers. Oh yeah, so this is the you know one fifth, right? As far as a value. What does it tell us when Hebrews was discussing the issue of chapter three and chapter four of Hebrews? The peoples who had seen God's hand, who had who had received and saw His wonders in Egypt, saw the split in the Red Sea, saw the great powering things God can do. What was their problem? Their perception was they couldn't understand God's ways. Who did? Well, Caleb and Joshua did. Who didn't? The ten spies. I forgot all the names. List down, and the whole mob didn't. So in God's shoes, okay, well, I have this scenario. I have this group of people who have the same problem. They view things in man's perspective. I have a small number who view things in God's perspective, and the whole mob follows this one. Now, of course, it's very important we note in our Torah it explicitly states the men. So this is a mob of men. I say that it's not referring to women, not referring to children. We find out in Torah, in the tale in Deuteronomy, that it's actually not just men and men as a whole, but men as fighting men. It's that particular group of men that God is dealing with. And he waits in the De- Deuteronomy, says, when the last fighting man dies, he says, now we're done. Let's get out of here. Let's head back to land. We're done with these guys. So it's literally the fighting men we're, de- we're dealing with because we find out that obviously Eleazar, who was more than old enough to, to be a man because he was, he was working with Aaron at the time, um, he was not included. Phineas was not included. Um, other, other, it, 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 it shows other women, in particular Micah's mom, was not included in this list. So we have these lists of people that men, men who are not fighting and women apparently were not included in this. And why do we do that? Why did God do that? Well, look at this. Men were obviously sent out, but who do the men perceive, man perception, are good at the actual fighting? Here, we'll put a little a sword in Goliath's hand. And put a little sailor rock in David's. What do men see? Men see the sword, and they see no sword. Men are the ones doing the fighting. Whack, hack, cut, cut, right? They're going to see themselves cut as far as they perceive. So they're looking at these tools of skill levels. That's where our issue lies. They're the ones who are the, 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 the deciding people. They decide whether we're going to go to war or not. Decide to go to defend, defend or not. That's, women typically didn't do that. Obviously, children didn't do that. So the men are the ones in charge of making these decisions. Therefore, God held the men accountable. So men today, modern life, those are heads of our households. What does it matter to us? Who's responsible for the perception of our household? We are. If we instruct our household to perceive worldview as a man, we screwed up. If we tell our household, teach them to perceive the world as God's views, we did right. So men, head of your household, what does it mean to be head of your household? Trust and listen and pay attention to God's viewpoint. 
That's really important because we're responsible for it. I'm not saying our children have no power. We're not saying our wives have no influence. That's the point. The point is, who's the leader of the household? Make sure your household perceives God's perception, and then it goes better than waiting for your wife to do it or your children to figure it out on their own. It doesn't work that way. Men, our job is to not look at our, which, mind you, it is our instinct, it is our nature. Say, am I stronger than Joshua across the street? Can I beat him up? Can he beat me up? Maybe, maybe not. Hopefully not. But that, that's what kids do, what boys do, right? They'll say, you know, show me your muscles. I don't have much, but if you show, me, show me a muscle there or, or how strong am I? Uh, let's see, there's a comment here that says, it's, it's, sad, it's sad that women today are leading voices and pushing back against the onslaught of culture. That is true. So I'm I, I putting this in the minute, and, and we have this, this scenario. So what was that guy's line? Oh, crud. That movie, the famous actor. Uh, he was governor of California. He was... Uh, no, no, the other one. He said, uh, how about men? Uh, oh, Gertie Mann. <laughs> Gertie Mann. That's <laughs> uh, Schwarzenegger. Yeah, Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Gertie Mann. So it, it, it's obviously in his act. The point is, it's a Gertie Mann. I'm not, I don't know what he was referring to. I don't really care what he's referring to. The point is that if you have a man or men who do not perceive or teach God's viewpoint or even a man's viewpoint of any kind of viewpoint, who's going to fill the role? As the comment there was, you know, women will. If a man's not going to fill the role, who's going to fill it? A woman. What happens if the guy dies, right? The mom's left. Who's got to fill the, fill, the, fill, fill the shoes? So we will fill it when the man's not around. So men, what's your job? Be around and fulfill the role. Worldview is God's worldview, not ours, not man's worldview. That's our job. If we don't do it, when we'll do it. And as a point points out that not, nothing, I'm not faulting all women, but our culture today in the United States and most of the Western world, this, this, this view has allowed distortion not women are guilty though, but distortion in general to mess up this viewpoint. Hence, we have this strange uh, sexual, weird cultures, not because of women, but because men aren't standing up saying, hey, what's right, what's wrong? The whole point of this, what I'm talking about here, is there, what is the correct perception? What is not the correct perception? If I've got a culture of men, people who refuse to say what is right and wrong because they're afraid, Mind you, are you afraid to say right and wrong? I'll tell you honestly, absolutely. I get me the person who isn't afraid to say what's right and wrong. If I'm in a scenario, let's say I'm in this, this, this room, there's a whole bunch of people who think completely opposing to my viewpoint, who, are, who would be angry or upset if I mentioned it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill in the blank of, of just, just some, some, some space. Yeah. You, you can insert what the space is. And there, there are people here. Maybe it's my space. Maybe it's Facebook space. I don't really care. The point is, there's people here, right? If I say some words that's offensive, what happens? Arrows of verbal arrows, attacking arrows, any kind of cause of, yeah, yeah, mob, the mob, I see a mob mentality attacks me, like Caleb is experiencing in this story right now. If I say something that is offensive to them, I have this problem. And this is a scenario that too few say the offensive thing and so many don't like it. If you have enough of them who say the offensive thing, okay, they all say the same thing, 
Okay, I'll work my speech bubbles. I'm not really good at that speech bubbles. I'm scribblies. Um, there are fewer people in the space that says that's evil, that's corrupt, don't say those bad things. And these people are actually saying what is actually true. Oops, T-R-U-E. They're speaking what is true. If there's enough speaking what is true, which means what's right and wrong, then you have this space that says, don't say that, weakens, it gets smaller and smaller. Alex, you have a question? Are you raised hand? Go ahead, Alex. Uh, it's more of a comment. Um, just in reading histories, uh, everywhere from the Romans to the Sumerians, Akkadians, they just said, oh, and their people, their men are feminine. And right. It's usually the guys who are hanging around those Ishtar altars and whatnot. I assume that was part of the of what happened when when that's where your world was centered well their men are effeminate well that's that apparently is not even a debatable problem because <laughs> they will they will be finished shortly right there was it, it, exactly they'll, they'll, they'll be easily taken taken out so our responsibility when we have facts is to actually speak what is true about them in the perception or perspective of God's viewpoint of those facts. If we do that, we're doing well. You have a comment here, Carrie says, however, most of our preaching is done through example, not words, and there's less of a chance of offense when a report is built. That is an excellent point. So in, 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 in the case of, um, of, of the person who's listening, so you have a relationship between these groups of people there are a lot of different tools or techniques someone can employ that can actually get conversation back and forth. And a lot of them is through reporters, for, for, reporters as far as a, a relationship with, with people, which is totally fine. But the in, inability and unwillingness to speak what is true is a weakness of all mankind. We all have that problem. Either we don't want to offend somebody, we're trying to build a relationship, yet there's a lot of reasons. And I'm not arguing that, that, that that's not something we, we, we should ignore. The point is, we don't try to, tr we're not, our goal in life is not to try to offend people. That's not the objective. But when opportunity arises, hey, perception, hey, this is, this is the truth, but this, this is what it means in the form of God's eyes, as God sees it. This is what is true. Yeah, is it offensive? Can it make you upset? Absolutely. That is not the fault of the person speaking what is true. The offense is the fault the individual is being offended. Now, does that mean the person speaking truth should try to seek ways of offending others? That's absurd. Of course not. What good is that? Does God do that? The Messiah do that? He didn't try to offend people. He just said what was true. So we have this, the, 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 this body space of individuals who, who, who have a, this wrong, false perspective. What do I false appear? This false narrative, false story, false whatever, fill in the blank. Um, and their narrative may have the same facts as we have, or so we, we should we, other people on the truth, truth side have, same facts, but the false narrative has a perception of a man or human being's perception, while a true side needs to have a perception of God's perception. And this kind of, you know, should have backwards. Anyway, it had to run up here. So this is where our error lies. This is where the people went across with Caleb, what the spies did, did read, read into, what the, the mob mentality ran across. These are our scenarios or problems we ran across in the concept of spies and in, in, in the spy story. Now, let's contrast this when Joshua showed up. What news speak? News speak? 
I know that word, but I know what that means. I, is, that, is that a news speak? Yeah, I, I, I've heard that. Is, is that an organization? Wait, wait, wait. Anyway, or oh, wait a minute. That's how the, wait, the news does that all the time. Is that your comment, yeah. Jeff? <laughs> and and has a uh, question, but that's uh, it's a uh, term from uh, George Orwell's 1984, meaning it is become the new truth, and it takes over what is actually oh, true. Got it. I haven't read that book since high school. <laughs> anyway, uh, Anne, do you have a comment? Go ahead, Anne. So my question is this, because you've got the words false underneath. I, I thought that that was God's line. God's, God's no, sorry. I, 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 I should have been more careful um, oh, when I so, was drawing okay. my thing. All right, because that's this God's is, point of, <laughs> this Yeah, side. right? I'm saying to and myself, oh, gee. This is, yeah, the other side is, oh, is, 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 is that way. So I should I should have been more careful. Oh. I was drawing it, but I, I was I was oh. being negligent oh. on my drawing ability. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, good, good. Here I was thinking. Gee, that sounds backwards to me, and this yeah. seems like. Oh boy, is is it me? I'm yeah. saying, oh, maybe yeah, it's me. It, yeah, exactly. This is just my. I, I I should have been more careful as I was paying attention. How I was drawing yeah. things. Yeah, so, anyway, so uh, he, yeah. So here's a, comments about that. So here's a little example. Okay, of something that I yes. had to endure. We had to endure. Actually, I don't know if Larry would, would prefer I not say tell this story. But anyway, recently, my neighbor next door had a and an incident happened, and her car was damaged. And uh, so, um, went over there and uh, be terribly yelled at by my neighbor. Um, I was, I'll just say, I was very quiet and just took it. And actually, it was my neighbor's daughter's car because, the, anyway, her mother gave her the car, so, but mom still felt it was her car. She paid for it. So, um, <clears throat> anyway, make a long story short, the real owner of the car, the daughter, is like 27 years old. And she, she had always been ignoring me for years. I mean, you know, she knew about Aunt Angie, and I was caring for Aunt Angie, and she had judged me at one point saying, you can't leave her alone ever. Why does she? Why does she? Meaning me. Why do you leave her alone in the house at any point? You know, because I was working a couple hours a week, a couple hours a day actually, and she'd be in between going to her program. <clears throat> so she had a she had a judgment on, judgment on me, which may have been now looking back, maybe I did take a chance there, but uh, anyway, she never looked me in the face after that. And she never acknowledged me when I'm walking down the street or anything. And then recently this happened about her car. And so because um, it happened and I didn't, Larry didn't respond negatively, we'll say, with her or with her mother about the incident. And uh, now she's smiling at me and she's, and 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 well, she, well, I I extended extended a hundred dollars to her to help her with her expenses, you know, having to get a rental car and everything. And she just gave it back to me and said the insurance would take care of it, you know. But um, because that happened, it drew us close. It it drew my neighbor and me closer, although it was a hard hardship, you know. And and she parks her car with a cone in front of it now but but um so so this this incident here with david and goliath and that and that but 
So somehow, God works it out where he brings a conversation into the situation. And um, so there's, a, there's an open door there that wasn't there before. So that's my point. You built a relationship, which is what Carrie was pointing out. Right. So I would, David, obviously this is also Caleb. And it's also Goliath, the same as the, uh, the, the Canaanites. And, uh, it's all the same thing. Um, it, our, our relationships do matter. I get that. And it's important that we are humble and when we address issues, what is true. Hence, we, hence, you point out, we don't seek to offend someone. Um, that's not the objective. God does not seek out to offend people. But a st- stance of being truthful and in, in the facts we see matter. And that hence, we have this, this relationship we're dealing with and whether it's your neighbor, the car, or you have an interaction with a human being, being truthful and honest matters. Our perceptions matter. How people perceive us matters. Tammy, you have your hand up. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because uh, Carrie made a point in the text that you probably can see it, but people here can't really. Oh, said, sorry. It says her comment I, was, however, most are preachings done through example, not words, and there is less of a chance to offense when a rapport is built. That was her comment. Yeah. Go ahead, and Tammy. so what my point is, kind of piggybacks on that a little bit, is that oftentimes in our modern culture, we presume that um, the best way to um, speak truth to power is to become keyboard warriors on the internet. <laughs> and it is easier to be more right. blunt, more brutal in our um, speaking of the truth. Absolutely. But when you're face-to-face with somebody who's struggling with a particular thing that in our culture is applauded, that God's word does not applaud, but you're face-to-face with that person, it's, you can't be that way and expect to be successful. If you tell the truth in such a way that it's brutal, you know, you can pat yourself on the back. Hey, I spoke the truth. But if you've basically torn their heart apart, stomped on it, and peed on it, what have you done? Have you really told the truth? Have you really brought that person to a closer um, relationship with Hashem? Right. No. No, no, no. So as as you pointed out earlier, so our discussion here started out with fact versus perception. Well, truth is is they're both both sides will speak what is fact. So fact is is a mix. Our truth is how we present the fact, right? Our truth is we present it in God's viewpoint, present it in man's viewpoint, handsome relationship. That's how relationships work. We have the same facts we're, we're presenting, but the facts of how we present them is do I present it in God's viewpoint? In Caleb's scenario here, he said, hey, yep, all these, these places, terrible, difficult, blah, blah, blah. Let's go take it. it, 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 it was, he wasn't arguing or didn't dispute, dispute any of the facts. He said, now encourage them, let's go do this. Let's go, let's go take this thing on. Let's go win and, and fight together as a group and, and be successful at this because God's on our side. So he presented this, he didn't argue the facts, but he presented his truth case of now let's go take them out because their production is gone. He presented it in God's viewpoint. That was a positive way and in a, a, a uplifting manner to present the facts and the truth that he's dealing with. In the case of the spies, in this, I mean, the space up here, the spies, they presented the same facts, but they presented them in a down, depressing, attack, runaway, scared manner. So they, they, the facts were not necessarily in dispute per se, 
but how we interpret them was. So this individual side on this side with the, the false screwy view, screwy report is that when they presented those facts, it was in with also their perception and their discouragement, their attack, their, their danger that was with them the, of destruction and tear down. In the case when Caleb, the same facts were presented, but he's presented in a positive fa- fashion. We can take this on. There are bread to us. Let's go. Let's go win. Let's go destroy this thing and move on and, and attack and take this territory that, that God said is ours. So he presented them, but he presented it in a perspective that is a positive perspective. He wasn't trying to offend or be mean, say, hey, this is a, this is a good thing. Let's go ahead and do this. We, we, it was very encouraging and beneficial to the individuals who were listening. That was the idea. So all these, all these observations we're having listening to this conversation are true are in that when we present a truth information, we have the facts with it. The perception is how is it presented does matter. Presented in a negative, you know, clob you on the head type of matter, it doesn't work very well. And it didn't say when he first started, he obviously goes there eventually because they're, they're, they're rebelling. But he didn't specify every, you, you worthless scum, <laughs> strap on your boots, put your bootstraps and get your swords and go out there and, and fight like men and die. It's absurd, but he didn't present it that way. He was like, hey, let's go ahead and do this in a positive fashion. Any comments around this part of our topic? Regarding our perception versus fact. So I'm going to move on to my next conversation. We have beatings will continue until. It's <laughs> a great line. So it says, uh, beatings will continue until brother's love improves. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, just keep whacking. You finally, finally submit and love me. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Let's uh, let's let's continue on to another uh, another topic of conversation in this in, in, in this category. So I'm gonna erase this part up here. So in this category of this fact and 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 uh, a truth, I'm gonna re re I erased that because I drew it up, you know, screwed forth. So we had we had listed um a, a observation, observe. I'm gonna do fact. We had, oops, that's an F, not an E. And we had perceive. I forgot how to spell perceive already. I think it's E I V E, something like that. Anyway, perceive. Now, shortly thereafter, we had this fact observe, observation and, and perception. The people said, okay, after God said, hey, okay, you're all going to die. This is not worth saving. Just, just whack them all off. And Moses says, no, 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 you can't do that. That's wrong. Yada, yada, yada. We'll go to the argument. Um, the people then get the message back. They're all going to die in the wilderness. Now they have this scenario, which says, as repent. Oops, that's an R. Repent versus regret. Regret. I guess I spell regret. So the people, after they, after they had their reaction, they had, they had their they're, oh no, we're all going to die. Let's go kill Moses or let's go kill Caleb and Joshua and let's go back to Egypt. And they have the, the penalty goes with that. He would say, oh no, 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 we didn't mean it. Uh, we take it back. Turn back, you know, backpedal, backpedal, backpedal as quickly as you possibly can, right? And we, we, we perceive our God as accepting of repentance. He, the repenting, oops, that's a T, not an R. Repent. We, we got, we got, we see repentance. Well, what is repentance compared to regret? They're different, aren't they? Regret is, crud, I got caught. 
I, I'm, I'm sorry. I wish I wish that the consequence was bad. So regardless, I don't like the consequence. So uh, don't like consequence. That's consequence. E N C E. I think how you spell it. Consequence. Close enough. Um, and repent is uh, sorry. Uh, turn back. And don't repeat. I'm, of course, uh, you, there, there are a lot of ways you can look at repentance, but I'm abbreviating with just con- conceptual ideas only. So the people had this, sep- the, 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 this error. They realized they had the same facts, but they realized their perception was wrong, had, that the mob, re- mob mentality ruled them. When they perceived the facts incorrectly through man's eyes to God's eyes, and the next morning, they realized, okay, this is a bad perception. My perception was screwy. I had wrong. Now, do we all get wrong perceptions? Of course. <laughs> he has written here, it says, regret without repentance equals, sorry, that leads to death. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> so, if I, have, if I have regret without repentance, yeah. So, it, the, the, so, they don't like the consequence here. In this scenario, the people, were they truly repentant or were they truly regretful? Now, were they regretful? Absolutely regretful. They said, whoops, we sinned, we screwed up, we're wrong, we did this all, this is a bad thing to do, we shouldn't have done this yet. So the regret was totally there. Was the repentance there? That's a harder question to answer. Was repentance there? Well, if repentance was there, what would we expect the actions of the individual then to follow? What would we expect? If I'm truly repentful, let's say I'm repenting, all right? What then do I expect a repentant person to do, to act like? Uh, let's see, this is here. <laughs> uh, they, they would have accepted the consequences. Correct, Carrie. So, to I repent, does that mean I, I get off scot-free? No. The consequence still happens even though I don't like them. But when, I, the people, when Moses says, they all say, let's go to war. Uh, the line here. So let's go to war. If someone is repentful, they're going to humble themselves down. Say, okay, I screwed up. I made the mistake. What do I need to do to undo or address this mistake if I can't? I can't undo it. I have to accept it, whatever it happens to be. So when they say, let's go to war, Moses says, hey, don't do that. God's not with you. A repentful person, what would we expect of them? Who's truly repentful, who said, God, you're right, I'm wrong. I'm humbling myself. What would a repentful person then, when they receive this fish from Moses, you, God says, you can't go to war, consequences are already issued, it's not going to undo this. What would we expect? The repentful person humble themselves, okay, what do I need to do? What should I do? What, where, what, what is the next task? What, what is my next path of moving forward? How do I move beyond the scenario and follow the instructions? That's what I would, it, what I would expect for a repentful person. Right before, it's typically a humble person. They humbled themselves to lower themselves. Okay, God, or scenario, whatever the situation happens to be, you are right, I was wrong, what do I do now? The person is like the consequence who is, re- is regretful but not repentful 
what are they going to say? They're going to avoid the consequence at all possibilities. Hate consequence. That's an H. Oh, well. Hate consequence. So they're going to say they're going to keep pushing until the consequence goes away. That's a regretful person, but not a repentant person. So what do we, what do we, that's typically what we see. So hence we have people who get arrested for crimes, issues. What do they do? I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Jimbo did. Or Susie Q or whoever. Somebody else is guilty. I'm not guilty. This, this, this crime has, you know, I don't know. I'm making this up. Uh, 10 years in prison. I didn't do it. <laughs> Why? Because you don't want the consequence. The repentful person. 10 years in prison. Yeah, I deserve that. Okay. <laughs> we have a repentful person now. They accept the consequence as opposed to arguing, I didn't do it. You know, give me the higher priced lawyer that gets me out of this, right? Or put more money on it. That's the regretful person versus a re- repentful person. Now, is it wrong to have regret? It's not. Let's find have regret. We should regret consequences. A person who touches a hot stove burns a hand. Do you regret that? Yes. <laughs> it's fine to regret that because it's going to burn and hurt a long time. Or, or it's immediate regret. <laughs> it's fine to have regret. Repentful person. I have to go take care of my hand now and fix the wounds and not do that anymore and tell others you shouldn't do that either. It's not really wise. This is the consequence to happen? Uh, this is the, the <laughs> you can see it. Look how bad my hand is. That type of thing. So the regret isn't a problem. Is that if that's your only motivator, that's not useful. Repentance is the goal. It's actually, okay, I'm going to accept the consequence. What do I do from here this point forward? What's my next task? Instead of go to war, is go to wilderness. That was the actual answer given. Didn't like that. It was war instead. And guess what? Big face with X's across their nose because they're now lying dead on the ground. <laughs> okay, broken neck. <laughs> so, hence, they didn't have repentance. They had regret. They tried to fight against the regret. So, when we have a, a, a facts that we have facts that we're dealing with, we can observe facts or perceive the facts. If our perception is wrong, meaning it points out man's versus God's perception, it usually translates into something going bad for us or for someone else, what the case would be. You can fill in the blank, it doesn't matter. If the perception is screwy, it will affect our actions, our response to those facts given to us. If, I, if I, my response is, has, is based on a screwed up perception because I'm perceiving things in man's eyes, but man over here, versus observing in God's eyes, but God over on this side here, I will react or respond based on my perceptions of the facts I have. If those perceptions are based on man's perception and then God's perception, it can, not always, but it can end up in a bad consequence, which results in my regret of my perception of my actions that followed. If, on the other hand, I perceive things in God's perspective, I may have screwed up, by the way. Life still happens. We can still screw up in life. So if I screw up in life and I have God's perspective on that screw up, my response, even though I will feel the emotion of regret, my response is to repent from that response and move forward on to go back to the wilderness instead of going to war. Does that make sense? Instead of going to 
fight against the consequence, I want to follow what God instructs me to do. Hope this makes sense so far. How much time do I have? I have 10 minutes left. Any questions so far on this concept? We have discussing versus observation of fact versus perception and repentance versus regret. Hope there's no questions thus far. Because there's something that I think is pretty cool in this, in this Torah portion, which I didn't even get to yet. We erase all this stuff because this was the, the majority of my topic of conversation. But it's interesting to me when the Torah changes something. When God changes something in this Torah, he has listed one way, later on he changes it. This is a pretty cool perception of change. So we discussed repentance, we discussed regret, we discussed the idea of um, my marker. I'm going to erase my dead guy too. I don't need him anymore. We also have change of scenario. I'm a bad spell this. It's S C N E. Oops, E. R I L. Thank you. Enjoy. Um, so scenarios. Scenarios change stuff, which is kind of interesting. In the case of this scenario, we have in chapter 15, as is after the whole repentance, regret, oh no, people died, yada, yada, yada happens. God says, okay, when your life scenario changes, in this case, God says, life scenario is the land of Israel. When you enter the land of Israel, your life scenario is going to change. You're not going to respond the same way um, as you do here in the wilderness. This is an important concept. Those of you who have metaphorically used the idea of I'm in the wilderness. E-S-S. I've heard that statement before. People said, I'm in the wilderness. I'm in the wilderness. What does that mean to you or to us when we say I'm in the wilderness? Usually means I'm isolated. I'm in my own own space right now. I'm 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 separated out from God or separated out from God's people or whatever. The concept of being in the wilderness is that I'm separate from everybody else for some period or space in time. So in this scenario which we have, the people themselves, God says, return the wilderness. So you're going to go back to the wilderness. Of course, but you're going to die. Hold on, Carrie says. Uh, for me, it means he's teaching me through challenges. That's an excellent point too. Because in, 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 in the wilderness is a scenario where you don't have the what we would normally consider the concept of wilderness versus civilized. We have wilderness of being, I am isolated. I'm alone. I don't have the amenities, the conveniences, the, the great things that civilization has. That's the idea behind it, which is an opportunity for us to listen very closely because we're in very clear, uh, sorry, very close relationship with them. So people say, I'm going in the wilderness. This is okay. We're in the wilderness and die. Well, not every dies, but a bunch of people die. So we're going to die here because a bunch of people have to die in the wilderness. Um, but he says, when you enter the land, so in chapter 15, God almost essentially has this, this whole generation says, go back to wilderness as your consequence of, the, of, of your screw up. You're going to be dead. You're, you're going to be done for your, your history. And in 15, it's like God just moves on. This, 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 this correction has been issued. It's been done. We're not going to undo it. It's finished. No, not, not that it hasn't been completed yet, but as far as the issue, the decree has been done. 
15 says, now when you return to the land, who's he talking about? Is he talking about the people who've been sent back to wilderness and to die? No. Because they ever get to the land? Nope. Not at all. They don't. They, they, they die. Now, their children get to. So who's God talking to? The children. H-I-L-D-R-I-N. Nah, he's still children. Anyway, I think it's something like that. It's close. Children, whatever. Anyway, so the children is who God's talking to, not people who are dying in the wilderness. So this regret and the re- repentance people had to go through, what was it? Did they, they come out to the other side clean and healthy and ready to go? Not at all. The consequence was a death penalty. They died. But the children, however, do they benefit from the consequence their parents endure? That's a good question. It's not easily answered either. Because there's 40 years, the children have to hang out 40 years wilderness with their moms and dads. So the dads all die, all die off, or nearly all of them die off. Yeah, I better say, yeah. We have a, a, a Christian story that makes it sound like it was great and wonderful. <laughs> but anyway, I, I wouldn't say we agree with that, but that's okay. As far as God's concerned, okay, the children's land, when you get there, all these offerings are now going to change. In the case of repentance of a, of a culture, of a, of a whole people, repent, right there, there again, to repent. When the people realize a mistake, God changes something in the Torah offerings. So it, it used to be something that was minor, and now it became a larger penalty, or lar- or sorry, I should say larger, a different way of repenting. Let me go out to my page there real quick. Oh, that's a P. Sorry. Re- thank you. Not re- Yeah, I can spell right. Repent's a P, not an R. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, wife. Um, okay, let's see where we're here. We have. Uh, Nope, other page. All right. So when the people, when the children themselves have to return to the land, to, to the land of Israel, the repentance, when they get to repent, we have different offerings, but it's also going to include the same, a, a bull offering. So they kill a bull, they kill a goat, and they have wine. <laughs> And grain. Oops, A I N. Are all at are all so the bull and goat are are altered from from Leviticus uh, chapter four, and then they have a wine and grain added to these offerings. They have these various things to give when people have to repent, and we ask ourselves, why did God make this change when they go from the wilderness, the scenario of the wilderness, versus the scenario of the land? Well, the land they've already been through wilderness. For, they will have been there. Well, theoretically, have been there for roughly forty years, for thirty-nine more years, but forty years total, um, thirty-eight and a half, whatever it was, forty years total. Before, when they're still in the, in the wilderness, when they're done with their punishment, the correction, the 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 error of their ways. Here's your penalties. When they're done with that, we enter the land, and God says, "Now you're going to add wine. You're going to add grain to all your offerings." Why is that? What would God, what would the value of the wine, the grain do? Why did God add those like offerings to, these, to the children who do it? Because the, their parents don't get to, by the way, 
They're dying in the wilderness. They don't get the option. But the children do. Their life scenario changes. It alters. But it alters a particular way. What is indicative of wine and grain that's not the same for animals? Land. <laughs> land is the difference. So land, who owns that land? God. <laughs> okay, God owns the land. Now, the other offerings we have in our core of the Bible wasn't Abraham in the land, but he didn't offer grain and wine. Abel was in land just outside of, 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 of Garden of Eden. I'm not sure how far outside, but somewhere outside of Garden of Eden, Eden. He didn't offer grain and wine, though Cain may have. We're not sure. <laughs> what part of God's agreement? So, the promised land. So, in this instance, they promise the benefit, the blessing after the parents die in the wilderness is the promised land. Which, of course, what. Uh, Apostle Paul's talking about, or, or something, Apostle Paul, or not sure who knows, who knows they wrote the book of Hebrews, but it doesn't matter. That promised land, that's what, that's what changes. Your blessing. Here, here, children of these people who are dying in the wilderness, you are going to get this blessing. And as a result, you will then share that promise and acknowledge that distinction differently than when you were in the wilderness. What does it tell us? It tells us that when God puts us in the wilderness, we're supposed to learn something from it and change when we come back out of it. We change our perception, our belief, understanding of God, alter our, our concept of what God is and what God isn't, what he can and cannot provide for us, hence the wine and the grain. We have a lot of symbols for wine and grain with like Messiah and blood, everything else. But the idea is that this is associated with the land themselves. So our idea is that the wilderness endeavor is supposed to give us a blessing at the end. What is that blessing? The blessings from God, the wine and the grain, which represents, of course, the land itself. That's the idea. And the land is the technical blessing, but the wine and grain is we are to acknowledge that blessing every offering every time we go to god we acknowledge that blessing again and again and again year after year holy day after holy day offering after offering acknowledge the blessing god gave us that's what matters that's what we're understanding so when we go through this this perception change that we shifted our our constant fact versus perception sorry of facts that we see versus observations and change our glasses from man's viewpoint on these facts versus God's viewpoint on these facts and deal with any consequence that comes with that. At the very end of it, we conclude with the blessing from God, but the land referring to that as far as the blessing, but we have to acknowledge that blessing all the time, regularly, continually acknowledge that change over and over again. That's how we give God credit for this experience we just went through. Imagine I didn't give God credit for that experience. What happens? If I say, okay, God, I got this great land, wonderful, now buzz off, and I don't offer this wine or grain, meaning I don't acknowledge this blessing from God anymore, what's likely to happen? Take a wild guess because it does happen in our Torah over again. Actually, Torah in, in our Tanakh, the, the later verses. What happens? Is, oh, you want to acknowledge the land? Not a problem. 
I can erase that from you. Hey, look, I'll take the land back. Yeah, let's return the wilderness to Nebuchadnezzar, shall we? <laughs> let's hang out there for a while. And all these poor children who receive the promise now get a different consequence. And do they have regret? Yep. <laughs> Cycle re- returns, right? <laughs> and they go back to the wilderness to die in Nebuchadnezzar's territory of Babylon. So they don't get to enter the land anymore. They get, they get expelled more specifically as what they were they previously entered. They get expelled, and the cycle repeats. It's a never-ending cycle, right? So what is the intent? If you're going to receive God's blessing, you're going to have to acknowledge that God gave it to you, right? That's what they're experiencing, and that's what God is pointing out with the people of Israel. And when you change, when, when your scenario switches from wilderness to land or back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, why am I in wilderness? Because I'm not acknowledging the blessings from God, which was the land, and he goes back to wilderness again. Hopefully, this pattern makes logical sense and realize, oh, duh, yeah, <laughs> that's what happens. And he comes to questions regarding this topic of conversation. Or you have this comment, Carrie says, ownership 101. Yes, <laughs> that is the basics on, on idea of ownership. Own your own scripts, own your own blessings, meaning that God has given them to you and acknowledge what I need to fix and address them over and over again repeatedly. Any comments or questions regarding our tour portion today? I ended at four. I'm just saying that, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, we have a question for man. Um, Go ahead, Ann. Yeah, the, the, the movie Exodus, you know. This land is mine. You know oh, how right. that, that song goes, right? This land is mine, right? Well, the Lord knows yeah. the battle goes on when Israel, whose land is this? Yep, is yep, right? exactly. And it's still fought today, whose land does this belong to? Yep, yep, exactly. Any comments or questions? All right. Well, it concludes uh, Barrett. I'll turn this back sorry, to you. Yeah, yeah, Pamela has here. one. Oh. Oh, go ahead, Pamela. Oh, and oh, Anne has oh, another one, too, and Alex does. Okay. Thank you. I didn't notice those. So go ahead, Pamela. I was thinking about... What about Yom Kippur? Now, Yom Kippur? Are people still acknowledged that since Jesus passed away uh, and he's coming again? Um, most Christians will not acknowledge Yom Kippur. Got it. It's an interesting question. So it, gets, it comes from confusion within the text of Book of Hebrews, I think I say it comes to, it's one of the sources, is confused with the text of Hebrews about the whole, you know, died once, you're not going to die again, over and over again, yada, yada, yada. So um, in the concept of Yom Kippur in our Torah, Yom Kippur, let me erase the scenarios comment up here, redraw this real quick, is this, this is, it's not a really complicated one, but we have two basic uh, uh, holy days that address sin, all right? We have Passover, and we have uh, Yom Kippur, or uh, Yom. I can spell Yom Kippur, but I can't atonement. Oh, I can't spell it. I can't spell it all. Never mind. I bragged too quickly. Yom <laughs> Kippur. <laughs> Thank you. So Yom Kippur. So both Passover and Yom Kippur address sins, different types of sins. So in the case of Passover, which almost every Christian recognizes, because Jesus talks about it and he experiences they, they're, all, they're all cool with Passover, no problems. The Passover, as far as our Torah was concerned, was regarding sins that you essentially you did, but you can't undo. You have no, you have no comprehension of these past mistakes, this past life 
So it's previous life issues, previous life, hence leaving Egypt behind. I'm not going to act that way. Oops, don't cross it out, Daniel. I'm not going to act that way anymore. That's the idea of previous life problems, the Passover will cover. Are you responsible for the Passover? Put blood in the doorpost and get inside. Meaning there's nothing that you physically can do that will address these past screw-ups. And most Christians are totally cool with that. So Jesus died for our sins, right? That's, that's the really strong. He died for our sins. It, I, I didn't, I, I, it wasn't because I deserved it or because it, I didn't think great about it. It was my works. That's all cool. In the case of Yom Kippur, it's a different category of sin. In this case, Yom Kippur are sins you knew about. Oops, K-N-E-W-N-E, about. Meaning you knew they were wrong. You did them anyway. You want to. You can't make me stop, whatever. That type of thing. So they're designed for sins that are out of... Rebellion is a strong word. It's iniquity, but it's, it, rebellion is like... It's really designed for, I'm going to, I hate you, God. I'm going to try to, I'm going to fight you. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, I hate you, God type of a concept. It can be just plain, yeah, I'm doing this anyway. I don't really hate you, God, but I'm doing this anyway, anyway, because I can't really stop myself. That's more transgression, but it's kind of a, a funny blend about between transgression and, and rebellion as far as iniquity is concerned. So, sins address, address ones, the training court addresses sins that you actually knew about. You knew they're wrong. You did them anyway. You couldn't stop yourself, or you didn't stop yourself. The difference between couldn't and didn't, right? Couldn't, couldn't. I just, I just couldn't help myself. Didn't. I don't want to stop myself. I'm having fun. <laughs> two, two, two different ways of doing things, right? So, um, those, those kind of the categories of which these these deal with. So, Yom Kippur's address of that category of sin, which is different than the one that Passover addresses. So, in deal with uh, with sin, transgression, iniquities. Passover is more focused on the sin of my previous life was a past bad life. Um, I can't address. I can't fix the past mistakes. God forgive me. I'm stuck, and God said I'll, I'll cover those. Yom Kippur is God. I know you really well. I know what's right and wrong. I'm doing this anyway because I either can't help myself. Or I don't want to help myself. I don't want to stop myself. I have those categories where Yom Kippur covers. In the case of Messiah's death, he covers Passover just fine, but Yom Kippur is a little bit questionable. It's not that he didn't cover it. Is that it's designed to be a one-time thing. That's the concept behind it. You know, it happens every year, but it's designed to be, hey, I covered these. I'm not going to act that way anymore. I'm changing my past behavior. I'm changing my past rebellious, iniquitous, and, and transgression type behavior to not repeat it. The drawback is we're human. So we still repeat it. We're not any better. So if I go through and go through my life of Passover concept only, to me, of past life, past mistakes, paid for, and I make another mistake again that I knew was wrong. Does Passover deal with that? No, it doesn't. You knew better. You knew it was right and wrong. You're just wasting Messiah's death for the fun of it because you want to go, hey, have it, enjoy yourself, have a good old, old, good old time with no consequence. You're wasting or, or making light of Messiah's death. That's what had to hey, your sin, your transgression, iniquity come, up, come about. And we're all guilty of it. Because we are, we're human, right? So we have the Yom Kippur scenario that's designed, okay, I'm going to do my best to vow essentially to not do these poor behaviors anymore. And yet we still do them. We still can't help ourselves for whatever reason or don't help ourselves for whatever reason. We still wind up making those mistakes. Hence, Yom Kippur is the once a year thing because God knows us. He knows we're human beings. 
So as far as Christianity is concerned, uh, in general, Passover is easy for them to accept. And they shove typically, not all, but certain categories of Christianity, will shove, shove the ones that sins for that would fall into Yom Kippur, they shove them into Passover as well, and they don't actually technically fit there. Like a square peg in a round hole. Doesn't technically fit there. If you get a sledgehammer, you will make it fit, but it doesn't really fit there really well. Okay. So it doesn't fit correctly. And so it's it's a screwed up concept of these natures of these particular types of sins. I'm not going to fault a Christian perspective. It just happens to be their perspective. They have been taught strangely or have have have, have, a, have a distorted viewpoint of it. They're still following my God. I'm not going to complain about it. That's between them and God, not me. It's not my business. So I just, I just happen to know there's a difference. So I address my life differently. I just say Passover is one way, which was in my past, like it has happened. I focus most of my personal life on the Yom Kippur category. That's how I address most of my life, most of my issues fall under here, not so much Passover anymore. Any comments, questions about that? So, um, Alex, your hand was up. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, I had an incident this week um, thinking about the whole feminine and all that thing. Uh, I, I posted, I shared a joke on Facebook uh, oh. about the, well, yeah, yeah, that's no win. Uh, the poor, <laughs> the, the swimmer. There's, there's cringe in my whole audience. <laughs> I know. The swimmer who was ranked 462nd and male and ranked first as a female, I, may, I passed the joke on, well, one of the homies is a transgender and uh, you won't hear from, it's not a fair debate. It's like, all right, I apologize. It was a nasty joke. However, um, I'm not going to apologize back for this This guy. He, he creamed those girls. He kicked them out of the pool. So I went on for a couple of times. And said, well, I'm out of it. You just can't pursue because you'll never win that argument on Facebook. Well, a couple of people, hey, I can't believe you're a messianic and a Christian. You'd even say that, you know, so it's like, oh, this is bad. <laughs> I just took it down. Anyway, and then seeing how they're doing the Dodger thing, um, you know, it really does hearken to the, uh, at the you know, the Dodgers, the whole uh, sisters of uh, whatever they do. Um, I, I'm not familiar with that. I don't think about it. Uh, the, uh, the sisters who've been in the city for years who mock the Catholic church. They were Dodger stadium hosts. It was pretty sick. You know, they fake themselves up onto a cross and start, uh, you know, a guy will do a handstand in front of them. Uh, I forget the name of the group, but it was all, you don't watch the evening news. Thanks, no, I, I didn't hear about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, I heard it from. I hadn't heard that one yet. Okay. Yes. But anyway. uh, nonetheless, it really does hearken to the whole Ishtar, Ashtar thing because, um, you know that they're 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 not a balanced group to begin with. The fertility part, mm, the fun sexuality, yeah. But hold on, this is a mixed bag. She's she's into wars and seeing how she treated the prophets. So it's a mixed bag. You're you're not going to get a sane conversation out of that group. And uh, there's a lot of anger to her. Are they pro feminine? Oh, I'd say not because they they really lambast real women, right. female women. So. Interesting thought, uh, just pondering that, you know, you, you try to figure out where, where this group's going, and I'd say they're firmly in the goddesses' camp. <laughs> That's probably true. I think there's a, a, a comment, I can't who it was. Oh, I'm sorry, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Google it when you have That's nothing their, else. That's their name? Yeah, it's the name. They've been around the city for years, and they've obviously gone down to L.A. to entertain some people. But anyway, I'm sorry. I, that's messed up. Up. No, that's all right. No, it, 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 it's, it's true in that 
you have when you have a perception that's screwy and it's forced upon others and groups of people, I say force, it's promoted, promoted is more accurate, but about others, other people that wouldn't necessarily accept that if they don't stand up, hey, this isn't, I don't accept, it's not receiving this. If too few stand up like Caleb and Joshua, what's the risk? They get stoned. Oh. <laughs> Jeff's comment, don't search for that. There's not enough mental floss to get clean that, to clean that out. My sister's agreeing with you. <laughs> oh, oh, anyway, um, so so if if too few like Joshua and Caleb stand up for what is the correct perception, the risk is death because it'll be whether it's physical, obviously in Joshua and Caleb's time, but okay, it would be either social or cultural death, cancel, all kind of garbage they have or or, or ridiculed, that type of a death, or politi- politicians lose their jobs, all the kind of stuff that happens, or judges get kicked out, police officers lose their job, loses their job uh, because it's, it's political death or, or financial death because you, you, get, you, get, you get whacked on your, on your, on your career. So th- there, there's risk, but the, the drawback is because so few people did, in the past tense, stand up for the past probably 15, 20 years, it's progressed further and further and further, actually probably longer than that, probably 50 years, but anyway, it's been, been progressed further and further, and now there's too few left to actually stand up. And that's where our problem lies. Um, there's, there's actually more people who are available, but too few left who are willing, I should say, to actually stand up. And you have this bizarre, weird people that have a really twisted, demonic viewpoint. You've been listening to a discussion at Hallel Fellowship. If you would like to hear more discussions or if you have any questions, visit the website at halel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. Halel.info. Halel.info.